Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Well, friends, we come this morning to the, the sixth of nine Virtues that are described as the fruit of the Spirit. This morning, goodness is the focus of our attention. And uh, as, as I said last week, when we, uh, we considered that virtue of kindness, uh, goodness is similar in some ways in that we recognize goodness as a, a positive thing, of course. It's positive to be good and to have the virtue of goodness, but... Uh, exactly what it means, we can sometimes be kind of vague about that. Uh, we need to define it carefully and think carefully about it if we're going to have a sense of what the Holy Spirit is really saying and, and to have our hearts searched by it as we consider the goodness of God and the goodness of the Spirit at work in us as His people. Uh, so I'm going to follow the same, we'll follow the same sort of outline that we had last, last week. I'm we're going to consider what this goodness is. We're going to try to define it. We're, we're going to consider this characteristic as it is manifest in God. And then we're going to consider uh, the goodness of God as it is manifest in us as his people by the Holy Spirit. So first, let's talk a little bit about what Paul is saying here when he says goodness is a fruit of the Spirit. Again, this whole list is these qualities that uh, are wrought in the individual Christian, in their heart, their mind, their life, as the Holy Spirit of God sanctifies them uh, through that union with the Spirit that we have in Christ by faith. Now, the word goodness, here in the original language, is a very broad word. The word gets translated goodness is very broad, much like the English word good is pretty broad. It can mean a lot of things. The semantic range is, is wide. There is, in fact, much overlap between the word goodness and the word kindness, again, as there is in English. But the context does give us some instruction here. Um, goodness follows after patience and kindness, and both the two terms translated patience and kindness are very clearly and explicitly oriented towards others. It is patience toward others. It is kindness towards others. And most commentators recognize that in this context, Paul is likely speaking of a goodness that is specifically towards others, not just a, a general, isolated, personal, moral, ethical goodness, but a goodness that is something uh, not unlike generosity, a goodness directed to those that are around us. Uh, in fact, this, this word sometimes gets translated generosity 
in the New Testament. You remember the, the parable in Matthew 20 where the Lord Jesus tells about those, those laborers that came late to the vineyard and those that worked all day long were complaining because they got the same amount as those that came late. And the master of the vineyard, the owner of the vineyard says, well, do you begrudge me my generosity? It's this very same word. You begrudge me my goodness. In the context, my goodness towards them. And again, that's the way that, that many commentators understand uh, Paul to be speaking of goodness here. Uh, Martin Luther uh, describes the goodness here that Paul is speaking of as when one willingly helps another in their need. Now, it's significant because I don't think that as Paul makes this list of the fruit of the Spirit that he's just piling up synonyms. Goodness does differ from kindness in that it is the emphasis is specifically on, on the active work, not the, the passive disposition. John Stott says that kindness is a disposition, a posture, but goodness is action in word and deed. Uh, commentator John Eady says this goodness is kindness in manifestation, in action toward others. Uh, you might think to illustrate the difference between kindness and goodness, I think, that we're seeing here. Um, imagine that you're uh, leaving the grocery store and uh, you have your bags of groceries uh, and there's somebody else walking uh, with you across the parking lot and it's begun to rain and, and they, responsible citizens, have their paper grocery bags and one of those bags burst open and the groceries spill out in the parking lot there. Kindness is having a posture of sympathy toward them. Oh, that poor man. Goodness is putting your groceries down and going to help them gather up their groceries. You see? Kindness manifests and put into action. Now, one of the older commentators, J.B. Lightfoot, sees something of a progression here in these, these center fruit of the Spirit, patience, kindness, goodness. And I think it may be helpful to, to see it that way. There's a, he says there's, a, there's a, a building being built one story at a time. Patience is, of course, as Pastor Martin explained a few weeks ago, that, that long-suffering, bearing with others. And kindness, as we talked about last week, is that disposition of tenderness and gentleness and sympathy towards others. Goodness goes even one step beyond and actually engages in the activity of blessing being generous in word and deed. It isn't just symp being sympathetic to the needs of others. It's actually doing something about it. Now, I think it, as I've been thinking the last few weeks and about these three virtues here in the middle, the three fruit of the Spirit, it has been helpful to think about my responsibility as a Christian, to think about are, are, are these fruit of the Spirit patience, kindness, and goodness manifest in my life? Are they manifest in our lives? Um, I'll illustrate the way that these three might work. Imagine that there is a young mother with a crying infant in Sunday school. Now, there was no young mother with crying infant in my Sunday school class this morning. I don't know if there was in another class, but this is not directed at anybody specifically. I wrote this several days ago. So if anybody was crying this morning, this is not about you. But imagine that you're in Sunday school, you're really enjoying the lesson, 
and uh, there is, a, there is a, a baby in the back of the room crying. <clears throat> well, what does patience look like? Patience looks like bearing with this potential irritation, this potential distraction of this little one making noise in the back of the room. It looks like not getting upset, not looking back and rolling your eyes or sighing heavily and you know, not, not indicate. It looks like bearing with somebody. What does kindness look like on top of patience? Kindness looks like maintaining a posture of sympathy and tenderness and gentleness towards that person. It looks like having a compassionate, sympathetic heart. It looks like remembering that young mothers don't have a lot of opportunities to have the, the word ministered to them. It looks like remembering that you cannot stop a baby from crying just like that. Remembering that young mothers don't always get out of the house all the time during the week, and this is a particularly important moment maybe, so that your heart is soft and not cold and hard towards that individual. Patience, kindness, goodness. What does goodness look like in that situation? Beyond bearing with the possible irritation, beyond being soft-hearted and trying to maintain a gentleness of spirit, goodness is actually seeking to do good to that person in that circumstance. Goodness might look like getting up and offering, may I, may I hold your baby and walk around a little bit so you can sit down undistracted and listen to the lesson. Or it might look like after the lesson going over and in, saying an encouraging word to the young mother who's struggling with this little one in her arms. It looks like doing something. That kindness manifests in outward behavior, in word or deed. In some ways, friends, I think you might think of goodness as the crown on patience and kindness. It goes beyond the bearing, beyond the tenderness, and actively seeks to bless. It actively does good for another. Now, we see this sort of goodness in God, don't we? As our brother read, and led us this morning in reading Psalm 100. The scriptures say that the Lord our God is good. As we, as we sang together, he is good. But he is good in this specific way that I think Paul is talking about. The God of heaven, to whom we've been praying and whom we've been singing about, who, in whose presence we are worshiping this morning, he is characterized by a deep generosity. He is forever giving and blessing and showering kindness on us in real action, in real time and space, in, in ways that are unexpected, unasked for, and undeserved, isn't he? He is very good to us. It is part of his very nature, God is good and has been good from the very beginning before the beginning. There is no beginning in him. Before the universe was made, our triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit was there. And the Father glories in the Son and glorifies the Son from the very, very beginning before the beginning. For eternity past, the Father is good to the Son. And then 
He creates all things. He creates the universe. He creates the world and all that is in it, including us. And why does he create us? Why does he do it? It is surely not because he was lonely or lacking something that he needed us to make up in him, but rather that there might be so many more objects of his goodness in the universe. There might be so many more persons who would receive the goodness of God, who is so very good, would thrive in his goodness and reflect his goodness back to him in worship and glory. He made us so that his goodness might be expressed further to more, so that we might be like so many flowers soaking up the the warmth of the sun, the goodness and the generosity of the God who is there, and that we might thrive in his goodness and reflect his goodness back. Now, God is good in creation. God is good in his providence. He is so continually good to us, isn't he, in this sense of, of actively giving and blessing. How good, you think about the scriptures, the testimony of redemptive history. How good has God been to mankind? How generous has he been in creation, but then after the fall? Even in the events surrounding the fall, immediately after the fall. How how good he is to give promises and blessing, to give the gospel to our first parents there in the garden. I'm going to fix what's happening. How good is he throughout the beginning of the Old Testament? How good is he to call Abraham and make a covenant with him? How good is he to Israel to bring them out of slavery, out of Egypt, the Exodus? How good is he to provide manna for them and water in the wilderness? And you remember how ungrateful, undeserving they were. And yet he gives and gives and gives. You think about it sometimes, all the, all the ups and downs of their faithfulness to God in the Old Testament. But, but every day he's giving them manna. On those days when they sin against him and they, they offend his righteousness and his holiness, yet he has provided for them. And he, and he gives and he gives and he gives. When they rebel against him and turn their backs on him, he sends them prophets to call them back. And the prophets are pleading, pleading, always pleading. And when they kill one of them, he sends another one to call them back again and again and again. And all friends, has that not been the case with the church? Redemptive history. We see, after the scriptures, the canon is complete, we see God's goodness to the church through generation after generation after generation. He continues to give faithfully. The fact that we're standing... Well, I'm standing, you're sitting here in this room today, 2,000 some odd years after Jesus Christ walked in the flesh on the earth, and we're singing songs and really singing about the goodness of God in Jesus Christ, how faithful he's been to the church, that a testimony would continue. Empires have risen and fallen. Powerful people have come and gone, but the church remains. Because God has not grown tired of being good to his people. You see? We are testimony of his goodness to his church. And we are together collectively, but also we are personally and individually. Has God not been good to you? 
you think about your life, it is relatively short in terms of the history of his church and the history of his people and his doings in the, in the world, but how faithfully he has been good to you. And, and not just in answering your prayers, but in blessing you in ways you never thought to ask him to bless you. Pouring out blessing on you to soften your heart when you were hard-hearted. Not when you were coming to him for grace, but when you were, you were hardening your heart in rebellion, yet he was good to you and gave to you. There's so much, I think, that we, we forget about the goodness that he gives all the time because it is so continual. I had this dual experience this last week that was uh, helpful to me as I was thinking about this. It, well, you all, it, it's been a cold and rainy winter, hasn't it? Uh, just about every Friday for months now it's been raining. And Friday is my day off. And uh, when I'm with my family at home, our backyard is a mud pit, and it's wet, and it's cold, and we're all in the house. And this last Friday, it was sunny. The sun shone. Now, how many times has the sun shone on me in my life? How many times have I walked outside and felt the warmth of the sun on my face, on my exposed solar panel up here? How many... How many times have I, have I enjoyed the blessing of God's mercy, His goodness, when the sun shone on me? I don't always feel it. Sometimes I grumble about it, but I felt it this last week because it had been so cold and rainy. And not only that, I was well, and so were my children. And we had not been well for months. There had been several months when people were sick, getting up in the middle of the night when you couldn't, you know, little ones that can't blow their nose, they're all congested, and you can't, they wake up, and and people are fussing, and people aren't feeling well. I wasn't feeling well. And there I was outside, breathing deeply through my nose and feeling the warmth of the sun on me. I was the goodness of God to me. I was healthy. My children and my wife were healthy, and the sun was shining on me. How many days has that been true, but I have not noticed? How many days has it been true for you, and you have not noticed because it is so continual, His goodness to Oh, but friends, when we stop and think about it, he is very good, isn't he? And he's very good not just to the righteous, not just to those who trust in him and recognize him and worship him. The scriptures are very clear. The Lord Jesus says very clearly in, in Matthew chapter 5, he makes the sun rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust. He is good not just to the deserving in, human, in a human sense, but to all, even to the wicked. You know, right, right now, I don't know what the time change difference is like, but there's, there's a man sitting in a, a jail cell somewhere in New Zealand who is a wicked man. And he's thrown around the, the term Christianity in his bizarre manifesto. But he is, he is far from a worshiper of the living God. He's far from a Christian. He's an enemy of God. And made that very clear in his behavior this last week. In the, the act of terrorism that he perpetrated there. But that man, his heart beats right now. He breathes God's air into his lungs and back out again. His brain fires, the synapses all work, his organs function. Somebody brings him food to eat and he eats it. Water to drink and he drinks it. And all of that is the goodness of God. 
to a man who does not deserve it. You see? That's how good our God is. But that's not even the, that's not even the pinnacle. I mean, God's goodness is displayed to us. God's goodness is manifest to us in salvation. Our salvation, ultimately, isn't it? Our God is more than patient with us. He did not just withhold his wrath from us. He is more than kind. He did not just turn a tender heart towards us. But our God is good to us in this way that we're talking about in Galatians chapter 5. He came to us to save us, to atone for our sin and to gather in his church. Pastor Martin preached, you know, taught yesterday morning on uh, uh, the book of Proverbs to the, the men's prayer breakfast. And, and it was, ex- we really should record those at some point. That really, that was an excellent message that he gave yesterday. Some of you brothers were there. He talked about Proverbs 31 at some length and the way this, this woman uh, who is to be admired that is described in Proverbs 31 is ultimately that church, that bride of the Lord Jesus himself. And when the Lord Jesus came, he did not find a church like that, so he made one. He did not find a bride like that on the earth. There was no faithful people for him, so he died for them and made a bride for himself by his spirit. There wasn't a worthy bride to be found, so he created her. And that's what the church is. What what I'm saying is, think about this. It, It would have been amazing enough for the righteous God of heaven to withhold his just wrath from sinners in patience. It would have been incredible enough had the offended God of heaven looked down on us with benevolence and been willing to receive all who would repent. I mean, that's incredible enough. But it is beyond imagination that God himself would actually come down to those who hated him and unasked for, willingly, give himself to save them and gather them into himself. That's what I'm saying. Last week I illustrated the kindness of the Lord Jesus by talking about him weeping outside of Jerusalem. He looks upon those who would crucify him, and he says, oh, Jerusalem, how many times I would have gathered you in. His heart breaks for them. That's the tender heart of the Lord. But remember, he did not just stand outside of Jerusalem and say, look at you, come to me. He went in, didn't he? He went in to the city where they would crucify him. He willingly went and gave himself to be slaughtered for sinners because he is more than patient. He's more than kind. He's good. He did not just weep for us and have a tender heart if we'd come. But since we would not come, he in his tenderness of heart came to us to save us and atone for our sin. Now, this is, friends, this is a very important doctrine. That Jesus Christ accomplished our redemption by his own work that he saved us at the cross. He did not just create an opportunity to save us, an opportunity for us to save ourselves. He did not just create a scenario in which sinners could come and save themselves, but rather, as Titus 3 says, he saved us. As Revelation 5, 9 says, he ransomed from every tribe, tongue, and 
nation of people for himself. As Hebrews chapter 2 says, he came and made propitiation for us. He did the work at the cross. He didn't just create an opportunity for us to do the work. Christ's work on the cross was effective for the salvation of his people. We were saved then when he died. He purchased the church, and when he from the cross said, it is finished, it was finished. You who believe here today, you were not just given a a great opportunity by Christ's death on the cross. You were purchased there. You were saved there. It was finished there. Let me make a note here to you. In in that theological framework of the, of the doctrines of grace or Calvinism, this great truth is sometimes referred to as particular redemption or, or limited atonement, the L in the TULIP acronym. And it is and has been one of the most controversial and sometimes unpopular doctrines in Reformed theology. But what I'm telling you, I think rightly understood, it is a beautiful thing that God saved us in this way. That he didn't just open the door for us to do the work, but that he himself did the work and finished the work. That the cross is not just an expression of his general kindness and benevolence towards mankind. It's not just an expression of his willingness to save, but rather the cross is an expression of his stunning unasked for, undeserved, unexpected goodness to us. It is him taking action. It's him actually saving. It's him not just being sympathetic, but putting down his groceries and coming over to us in need. To use That was a, a very thin illustration there, but you see what I'm saying. By his own initiative, according to his own design, at great cost to himself, he saves. And we are saved. The God of heaven has been very good to us. Our Lord is not just patient. He is not just kind. He is good. His kindness is manifest in action. Now, with that being said, his goodness is also manifest in us. This quality this goodness in the way that Paul is speaking of that we see in God, it is to be present in his people. His spirit is in us by the new birth, as we've talked about at some length. And so we are to be filled increasingly with a manifestation of God's goodness towards one another. We are to be like him. We are to be not only patient with one another, not only kind to one another, but we are to be actively doing good to one another. Paul is going to say here in a a, a few uh, paragraphs as we come to the end of Galatians in chapter 6, verse 9, and and let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. We're to be those who do good to one another. Not just try to be good in some 
isolated, vague, personal, moral, ethical sense, but are actually engaged in the work of doing good. Because God is good, because it is his goodness. Let me, I'll share with you just one text in the Old Testament here that in my study I came across it and I found, and I, it really struck me. It's in 2 Samuel chapter 9. Um, if you're quick with your flipping fingers, you turn there, otherwise I'm going to read it out loud. Maybe make a note of it and look at it later. 2 Samuel chapter 9, King David has come into his kingdom after uh, all that drama with, uh, with Saul. And in verse chapter 9, this is the chapter with Mephibosheth. David says, is there still anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. And they called him to David. And the king said to him, are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. And the king said, is there not still someone of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God to him? And Ziba said to the king, there is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in his feet. You see what David's saying here? You see what he's doing? He's saying he's basking in the glory of the goodness of God to him. And he says, now who can I show this goodness to? Who can I show this kindness to? Who can I show the kindness of the Lord to? You see? See how it, how it translates that way? God has been so good to David. Brought him, I mean, you read the Psalms, he's expressing it, brought him through trial after trial, has, has brought him out of nowhere in obscurity to this place of prominence, and, and the Lord has been faithful to him. He hasn't just been generally benevolent, he has been ex explicitly, specifically good to David. And now David says, who can I show kindness to? Who can I show not just my kindness, the kindness of the Lord? And in this, David gives us an example of the Christian's heartbeat. Who can I show good to? Have you thought of that recently? Have you asked that question to yourself recently? We don't have servants in the king's house to pull over and say, who can I show goodness to? We have to think of it in our own head. Have you thought about this church and thought, who can I show some goodness to? Who can I show the goodness of the Lord to? How are we at this? Are we actively seeking to do good to one another? I mean, we are, we are a kind people, I think. Uh, I think in general, when people come into Grace Church, they, they are not met by scowls and cold shoulders, at least I hope not. They're not met by harsh words. They're met by kind people, people with a general posture of warmth. But are they met by a group of people that are seeking actively to do good? For one another in the way that the Lord does good for us. Not just willing, but active. Friends, I think that we are a church, we, we, do, we do good when opportunity arises, when it is asked of us. But I think that, that we collectively and we as individuals, we could do more in this kind of godly initiative-taking goodness towards one another, seeking opportunity as David did. Who can I show the goodness of the Lord to? He has been so good to me. Who's out there that I can show goodness to? 
Not to wait for opportunities, not to wait for invitations, but to be proactive as God was proactive with us. Now, let me, let me very quickly make, make two notes here about this in application. Uh, let me say first that doing good for one another in the church does not always mean doing what other people, doing what makes other people feel good. Now, you know that. Uh, many of us have been around the church together long enough uh, to know that some of the best good other people have done for us didn't feel good in the moment at all. In fact, it was maybe hard to hear. But the scriptures are clear about this too. Hebrews chapter 3, as long as it's called today, we're to exhort one another so that no one's hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. In Hebrews chapter 12, we are to stir one another up to good works. And isn't that the way God works in us? God's goodness towards us is not always all that pleasant on the face of it, is it? In Sunday school last week, uh, in my Sunday school class, we were talking about the, the ways in which I asked the question, how has God matured you in your faith? What has God used to mature you in discipleship? The very first thing somebody said was trials. And everybody else said, mm-hmm. Because oftentimes the Lord uses pain. He uses trials. He uses tribulation to do us good, doesn't he? He strips away our pride. He convicts us of sin. He humbles us. And friends, as we do good to one another in the church, there are some times when that will involve hard truths and uncomfortable questions. We ought to be a church where we are seeking to do good to one another that sometimes looks like saying, brother, have you been reading your Bible lately? It sometimes looks like saying, sister, are you seeking to forgive as Christ forgave you freely from the heart? Saying, brother, are you loving your wife well and speaking to her with tenderness? Some of those who have done the most good for me in my life as a Christian, some of you here in this room, you've spoken to me that way. And you have been the very goodness of God to me. Although at the moment, I maybe didn't enjoy it all that much. The goodness, if we're going to be truly good in, the, in a Christian sense, as a uniquely Christian sense, a genuine sense here, it is not about appearing good to everybody so that everybody says, oh, what a good guy he is. It's about actually doing good for one another, which is a totally different animal sometimes, isn't it? Now, let me make one more note. Doing good to one another in this sense, this sense of generosity and giving, it is, it is not just that we, we do good to those to whom we, we feel like we want to do good, but rather to all as God himself does good. As I mentioned before, in Matthew chapter 5, he does the... The sun shines on the righteous and the wicked. The rain falls on those who are his friends and his enemies. And friends, as Christians, our goodness, the sun of the goodness ought to shine on people who are our friends and our enemies. Or people who in the moment are acting like our enemies. And it's very difficult to categorize people, enemy, not enemy. But all of us, 
even a spouse, even a good friend, even a child, even a brother or sister in the church might act like an enemy in the moment. And in that moment, so still, the fruit of the Spirit that is patience, that is kindness, that is goodness, should be manifest in God's people, should be manifest in us. That brother or sister, that spouse or child or parent who has said that hurtful thing or has behaved in a way that caused you pain, to that person, if we are walking in step with the Spirit, we are to show patience. Not lash out in anger. We are to be kind. Strive to maintain and recover a tender, gentle, forgiving, generous heart. And then ultimately to do good. Not just to tolerate, but to seek to bless. To speak good words, to pray for them, to encourage them, to try to help them. Now, that's a profound thing. That's a serious work. And that is a very different animal than what you see in the world. These words, patience, kindness, goodness, we can just race through them and say, yeah, yeah, we're supposed to be good. Yeah, general, you know, sure, we're supposed to be good people. Oh, but it is so much more than that. Someone who has hurt you to be patient someone who is irritating you to be kind, someone who has not gone, done good to you to do good to them in return. This is a holy work, and it is a work that can be done earnestly by those who have known the goodness of God in Jesus Christ. And that's who we are. I'll finish by saying this. Uh, now we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together which is an expression of the goodness of God. It is an expression of his giving of himself. His kindness, his benevolence, his tender-hearted generosity it manifests in the work of giving himself. In Luke chapter 22, the Lord Jesus says, this is my body given for you. So as we receive the table together, friends, remember the goodness of the God who saved us, how he gives himself. Let us confess our sins before the Lord and strive earnestly in prayer that we might be good like he is good and then receive these good gifts together. Amen? Amen. Let's, let's pray. Our Father, thank you for being good to us. We do not deserve it. We never have. Thank you for shining your glorious, the, the, the light of your glory on us in the face of Jesus Christ. And thank you for these good gifts we're about to receive. Christ died once on the cross many years ago. What we do here today is in remembrance of him. But his sacrifice will never lose its power. We thank you that this morning there is power in the blood. We pray this in Jesus' name.